Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is episode 229, Maximum Security Prisoner, Timothy Hayden, on Life Lessons and Growth Mindset. This is probably the most unique episode we've had to date, and certainly one of the most special. Timothy Hayden is in a maximum security prison in the western part of the United States. Now imagine being locked up in a small physical space, like a six foot by 12 foot space, for 23 hours a day. And you're sharing that space with another individual. How would you respond in prison? How would you spend your time? Would you reflect on your being and behaviors and make changes? We have a special guest in this episode, Timothy Hayden. Over the past year and a half, Timothy and I have corresponded with each other mainly through letters about the human experience, observation of society, and the beauty of what is possible with a curious and passionate frame of mind. And so uh, we thought, you know, we should, we should start recording these conversations. And so in this introductory episode, Timothy shares his background and experience in prison and how he's utilized his time in solitude to better himself and create a mindset with no limitations. Fantastic episode. I'm excited to share it with you. Let's get into it. Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is a podcast where we explore our curiosity. We talk to people all over the world in all different types of disciplines. And today is a very special episode. We are talking with an inmate at an maximum security prison in the western part of the United States. Uh, his name is Timothy Hayden, and we've been in contact with each other for like a year and a half. Um, we've, we've just become really close, and we've been having conversations regularly. And we got to the point where it was like, hey, we, we need to start recording these. We got to share these. This is, this is so awesome and fun. Um, there have been a lot of things behind the scenes to make this episode in particular happen. Um, but I'm excited to have Timothy on and we are going to use this episode as kind of like an introductory episode. And then uh, in future episodes, talk about things that we, we normally talk about on a regular basis. So I'm so excited to introduce and uh, and talk with Timothy Hayden. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, why don't you uh, briefly introduce yourself, Timothy? Yes, sir. Um, my name is Timothy Hayden. I'm 26 years old. I'm African-American. So far, I've been incarcerated for almost six years. Um. Why don't you uh, describe your background, what it, what it was like growing up and what the area was like? So I come from two types of backgrounds. I come from a working poor community and a lower middle class community. The first community I mentioned, it's impoverished. Homelessness is prevalent on some streets. It's vermin infested and a high crime rate. My lower middle class community, it's a bit nicer but I will put the crime rate at a seven on a scale of one to 10. Okay. So growing up in a working poor community, you see things early on like violence, adultery, people stealing, selling drugs, everything, just trying to make a dollar just for the next day. 
Um, those who do work barely have enough food and rent. Um, there were days where I ate just bread all day, uh, waiting for my dad just to make me noodles for dinner. Sometimes in the morning, I will flick baby roaches out of my cereal and continue to eat while a dead rat behind the stove was on a mousetrap. In my lower middle class neighborhood, it was more decent in appearances. Uh, proper meals at night that sincerely had my stomach satisfied. Um, there was no bugs or animals in the house. Um, I had my own bed. Outside of appearances, another big difference, I would say, um, is what I, I had cable. So in my lower middle uh, class community, I had cable. And then at the other house, I was limited to a few channels. So I think something people want to know that are listening and watching this is uh, what, what happened that landed you into prison? And how long have you been there again? So I'm, I've been incarcerated for almost six years now. Um, when I was 19, I committed strong arm robbery in the pharmacy. And so that that led you to where you are now, so right? That, so that and that led me to prison where I'm at right now was the committing of a robbery, second degree robbery. So what's your so what's your experience been like in prison so far? And how did the images of prison that you saw before this differ from what you've experienced? Um. Let me start with the second question, if that's okay. So my experience of prison growing up was horrifying. Uh, you think big dudes, you imagine people getting raped left and right and stabbings going on every day. But in my case, you see certain things, but not every day you see them. My experience thus far has been like turbulent, sometimes repugnant, uh, but valuable all at the same time. For sure, I would, I would say that. So what would you say, how have you changed personally since being in prison? What were you like Sorry. when you got in? And then like, what would you say you're like now? So starting off, starting off in my incarceration, my mindset, I would say was juvenile and I didn't fully process my new circumstance. Uh, see, I went from working at Papa John's and going to community college and hanging with friends. Then I transitioned over to something dark and heinous. Uh, I was fighting every day with others whose souls were empty and depressing. And I had to, I had realized I was digging myself in a deeper grave. And then I asked myself, you know, how would I want my, how would my family want me to come out of prison? Mm -hmm. After some serious reflection, you know, I made a commitment to be better and just make my family proud. So what's, what's it like daily in prison? Like, what, what does your cell look like? Describe your cell. Um, mostly, you're in a cell uh, similar to the average person's bathroom with another person, I would say, for 23 hours a day. Um, daily, though, I, I read, I write, work out sometimes, I watch TV. I had discussions on topics with my cellmate and I, I listen to music. 
uh, find productive uh, ways just to utilize my time and, you know, make time fly. How important would you say the relationship is with your cellmate? On a scale of one to 10, I would say, um, I would say it should at least be at a, a nine, no lower than an eight, because this is someone that basically you wake up and go to sleep. You know, this is the first person you see in the morning, the last person you're going to see at night. And when you're in a confined space, it's so easy to fall into negative thoughts and everybody goes through their own situation. So to have a meaningful relationship with your cellmate, you know, it can, uh, it makes times easier Yeah, because both of you guys are away from your loved ones. And, you know, the next person, he might have children where it's like, being away from children as a parent, you know, can be detrimental to your well-being. So to have a a healthy relationship, you know, with your cellmate or just with anybody, you know, it kind of it takes the ease away from being away from society. Yeah. And I think you've mentioned to me before, it's like your cells like six feet by 12 feet, something like that. Six, yeah, six by 12. We can say that. But that's that's with someone every day for like 23 hours a day. Yes, sir. And that's the space that you guys have to deal with. So having a a good relationship with that person is going to certainly make the experience um, less difficult. That's for sure. It makes the experience and just the time being less difficult, less stressful. Okay. So then what do you, what does life look like on a daily basis for um, an average inmate? I would say you wake up, you have breakfast, maybe 30, six o'clock in the morning. Um, after that, you know, some inmates, uh, the mattress they give us, we roll it up, um, you know, just to show that this is uh, how the program starts. Um, you might clean your cell up, you know, to eradicate any germs or dust that can be lingering in your cell. Uh, some inmates might watch TV, you know, drink some coffee, watch TV, watch the news in the morning. Others might read, you know, uh, they don't like they, they I wouldn't say they turn on their TVs right away. Uh, some meditate and ponder just on what they want their lives to be once they re-enter back into society. And then if there is yard, which is, you know, we go outside and work out, then those who choose to utilize that time to, you know, stay healthier, stay in shape, will go to yard and, you know do their little workout routines. What do you do for your workout? For the most part, uh, push-ups, squats, um, pull-ups, dips. Um, here and there, it's been a while, but here and there, I would like run some miles around the track. Okay. Uh, so then breakfast, what are you typically eating for breakfast? Cereal, oatmeal. Um, 
it's been a while since I ate pancakes, but for the most part, cereal and oatmeal. When was the last time you had pancakes? Pancakes are so good. Uh, um, I would have to say maybe uh, maybe January was the last time I had pancakes. Okay. Okay. Uh, how are you able to explore your curiosity, challenge your perspective, and stay positive? How I explore my curiosity is ask questions. I've always been inquisitive, so I ask and learn. Um, reading as well has helped feed my curiosity, and um, I'll say how I challenge my perspective. I have discussions with older individuals who get exposed to more things than I have. Um, one thing, and I'm learning how to stay positive in here, is just focusing on what I have at the moment and be grateful you know, for just be grateful for that because I realize, you know, there's people with less than me in here and more than likely in society. Yeah. What, uh, we, you and I talk a lot about books and reading and, um, we send each other recommendations a lot. What, uh, why don't you share what have been some of the most impactful books on your experience so far? Um, okay, well, I'll say there's been three uh, influential books that I've read uh, within six years. And one, I would say I'll start off with the Bible. And two books in the Bible, certainly uh, Ecclesiastics and Proverbs. And those two are more, Ecclesiastics is more of a philosophical type of chapter and Proverbs is mostly wisdom. Um, the other two books I can say, uh, one is the autobiography of Malcolm X. And then the other one is, I would say, Message to the People by Marcus Garden. What's, what's a message to the people? What's that one about? So this is more um, dealing with early times. I want to say maybe going into the this is around the early uh, uh, 20th century. And uh, Marcus Garvey was a, a influential leader amongst um, African-Americans. And he basically taught um, his philosophies of how blacks in America should view themselves or how they should conduct themselves and try to establish uh, something you know, uh, for themselves just to gain respect by others. And then how, how long ago was the book written? Uh, I would probably say this was over, I could say over, maybe over 50 years, I would say. Okay. Got Um. So people hearing and listening to this, what would you, what advice would you share with them if they're feeling uh, lonely, isolated, and unable to take action in their lives? What would you say to them? For the most part, um, it comes a time where we all feel lonely. We feel nobody is by our side. 
we feel hopeless, powerless, isolated because we think nobody understands us. We have to accept the fact, though, that everybody has to stand on their own two feet at some point in time in their lives. Family and friends can't help with every situation. You came into this world by yourself and you're for sure leaving by yourself. So when you feel lonely and isolated, change that fixed mindset you have of yourself and learn to grow and embrace the ups and downs this world will throw at you. Uh, take time for solitude, turn off the phone, the TV and go somewhere quiet with no distractions and figure out what it is you really want to do with your life and how you can practically do it. Yeah, elab- elaborate more on solitude. So a lot of people assume uh, loneliness is, well, let's say it's solitude. You know, you're by yourself. Um, and you might assume that being by yourself is you, you assume that with loneliness and that nobody, everybody's ignoring you. People are, are neglecting you and nobody wants to be your friend, maybe, or however however you might see it but solitude is more of a time to where you take the time to enjoy just your company you know embrace just you being by yourself so you can really figure out who you are you know what have you done since you've been alive and what are your potentials you know, to, that can make you better in life or help make this world better. Um, how we look at solitude is more like uh, when people choose to meditate where you want to, you know, you might want you might want the atmosphere quiet just for a moment. And being in solitude, you know, you can find that peaceful time to have self-reflection. And just to think about all that's all that has occurred in your life, and what can you do to make something better, or if there's any weaknesses, you know, how can you uh, make your weaknesses better? Would you say that the solitude you're kind of uh, forced to experience while in prison? Has it has it helped you grow as an individual? Absolutely, um, and, that, and that's the thing. Being in, incarcerated, uh, you're forced with solitude. Uh, those in society, solitude would be more of a choice. And looking back in hindsight, I wish I would have took more of the opportunity of seeking solitude just to reflect on what it is that I'm doing as I I mentioned before, and who am I, you know, and what do I want to become? So in here, when you're being in the cell for 23 hours a day, yeah, you're forced with solitude. You're forced to sit on the bunk and just reflect about life, of the mistakes you made and what could you have done better? And then you start to realize, you know, what it is that you can be. And from right there, you know, I think, those are the benefits of solitude right there is self-reflection and truly realizing the a real deeper meaning of life. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we've we've talked before about how like uh, there's so many options out here, right? And it's easy to become distracted. Uh, that's like the hardest thing to do. People have like such a hard time with solitude. And it's because it's we've we've talked about it before. You you have I asked what you what your schedule was like before and you were like 23 hours a day. I'm in here and I just do what I what I do. And I said, it sounds like you're you're like more free than people out here. <laughs> And it's really absolutely. interesting to think about, right? Yeah, absolutely right. And because a lot of people, um, you know, I realize, I realize as well, you know, when I first graduated high school and I made that decision to go to college to get a degree, it wasn't necessarily my desires of doing that. It was more of a, a family obligation you know, um, or an expectation, you know, I yeah. wanted to make my grandmother proud and my uncle proud because of other relatives in my family were doing that. But this yeah. is something necessarily that I didn't really want to do. And to be honest, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I first got out of high school, as a lot of people might feel, you know, you fresh 17, 18, you're not really fully aware of, you know, the reality now that you don't have mommy or daddy to tell you to wake up and get ready for school. And now it's like you're an adult, so you have to make decisions on your own. And a lot of us in certain communities, lower um, class communities or lower middle class communities, you know, we never really had those sit down talks with guardians or parents, you know, what it is that we want to do in society. So you know, we kind of run around with our heads cut off like a chicken. And yeah, once in here, I had to really figure out what was my best interest and what did I want to do. And then once I started applying myself to certain focuses and stuff, I started to feel free because <clears throat> I started to realize there were things that really had my interests. Uh, when it came to school, it wasn't just to get a degree, but it was to actually learn and educate myself on something that is useful for me, you know, just in life itself. Um, some people in society might feel like, okay, doing something for family members or, you know, this is what expected. It's like, you feel you don't have a voice. And when you don't feel like you have a voice, it's kind of like, you know, um, you're living for others and you're not living for yourself. So in here, it's like once I really figured out what it is that I want to do for myself and I committed to that and I started applying myself, this is where now I started to feel more, I started to feel more free and I started to mostly feel alive and just in here, I would say. Yeah, dude, that's huge. That's like. That's like uh, the majority of America, it feels like. And it takes something 
extreme to change that you know for your situation it's prison for me it's like a near-death experience on the farm and you start you're learning because you want to learn and you're curious and you have like an insatiable uh hunger for for knowledge and truth and you said uh, question and inquisitive earlier and it's it seems often that there's like a, a lack of that in society and which which is why i i always enjoy our uh correspondence through letters and and these conversations especially lately because we're able to like uh connect on that level um yeah it's it's so interesting isn't it it really is it really is um i've been um because of my curiosity you know i've read uh just even more than the books i've named over a hundred books and just the places that these books have taken me you know has been a fascinating journey you know and i truly realized that as humans we have control over ourselves you know and just the willpower that we truly have once we tap into it you know is phenomenal um, once you know we really sever ties with distractions or anything that's negative um you know the the sky is the limit basically you know just anything is capable you know once we truly believe that we can do something or that we can be something you know from right there is nothing stopping us yeah it's incredible to hear you say that like when you started doing this you felt free and like from from what i see on social media what i see what i overhear on the streets and when i'm working and like there's like a lot of negativity and like a lack of uh a lack of empowerment in in oneself and um Yeah, it's interesting to hear you you say these things when your physical surroundings are limited, yet your mind isn't. And I think that's a common theme is like your your mind. Your mind is the most powerful tool you have. And for most of us, we're not using it as intentionally as we could to help ourselves and others, right? Yeah. I look at um, somebody, somebody once told me in here that uh, life is 85% uh, mental and 15% physical. And a lot of us look at things just on the surface level of it and it affects, you know, it affects our well-being, you know, in a way to where uh, majority of us have what psychologists will call a fixed mindset and we would see what others would want us to see you know whether it's their perspective or their version of success or whatever and we might feel inadequate if we don't reach 
those standards or that that level. You know, if we're not doing as good as our peers or anything, you know, we feel less than. When, you know, I start to self-reflect and really just focus on positivity or when I read or have conversations with certain individuals, you know, I start to change into a growth mindset and just look at the possibility of, you know, if I take sacrifices or if I ignore like certain illusions and everything that society um, exudes, then how can, you know, how, how rich can my life be? And I asked myself, okay, well, if my neighbor wants a Ferrari, you know, do I need to have that Ferrari in order to feel happy? Or do you have to get something better than their Ferrari to be happy? Some people might want to do that. And that's being competitive. But if I just want something in general to just give me the point A to point B and to take me anywhere my heart desires, shouldn't that make me more happier than just a certain car that can lose value really over time? Yeah. How important do you think our environments are? Or how how much we're influenced by our environments and culture around us? I would say a very high level we're uh, influenced by everything, you know, um, social media, uh, what's on the television, the shows we watch, the movies we see, we're um, consciously or subconsciously, you know, affected just by everything, um, what we eat, um, you know, the, the what we drink, you know, just conversations that we have on a daily or the music we listen to, you know, it influences us. And, um, you know, but society moves so fast, we don't really realize it. Um, so it's like, yeah, I was, I would say really on a high level, you know, everything around us, you know, from the smallest thing, you know, has a part in influencing, you know, just how we conduct ourselves on a daily. Yeah, what we consume, we become what we consume, right? Sort of. No, exactly. We do. You are what you eat. Yeah. And uh, consumption more than ever now, too, because now we're at the point with technology and media where you can literally just consume what you want to consume. You have a choice because with the information revolution and the digital going digital with analog you you know like tv you had like four channels and that was you know that was about it but now you can you can literally go down all these rabbit holes of of media and consumption and can be both good and a bad thing so you have to have the awareness to understand like all these things are designed to get your attention. So it's like putting that ego aside to understand I'm being influenced all the time. 
make sure to decipher what I allow in, in a way, right? Yeah. That control. Absolutely. Um, which I feel like um, now that's kind of like a big downfall is the ego part. And, you know, it's kind of in a society where, you know, everything is like a competition, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to get rid of the ego. And um, we, we, we find it hard to, a lot of us find it hard to be uh, selfless. You know, in a lot of situations, we think of self first, which, yeah, um, don't get me wrong, you have your situation. But in order to make life better, you know, we have to think, how can we work together? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I like one of these. Um, it was something that I read um, with um, the Sacred Hoops, uh, Phil Jackson. And, yeah, my guy. <laughs> yeah, nah. He um, so when he, he talked about success, and I guess you know you can kind of say it doesn't. This doesn't have to really apply to basketball, but just in life itself. And you know, he say with success, you know, comes you know you have to be awake and aware and in tune with others. And, you know, he also talked about having a clear mind and open heart, mm -hmm. which those two things, having the clear mind and open heart seems the hardest for a lot of us, just with everything that goes on in society. Yeah. Um, what we expose our mind to on social media or just TV itself, you know, kind of blocks out, you know, um, or hinders a way for us to really clear our minds and open our hearts. Yeah. And that's when, as, as you and I can probably attest to, that's when you like feel the freest, like when you you're learning because you, you want to learn. If you have like a closed mind or heart, you're not going to pursue that curiosity because your ego is telling you, I know everything there is to know. And you're also worried about the fragility of that sense of self. Um, whereas when you're, when you're open, that's when you're absorbing the most and you're open to the world. And then by doing that, the world kind of opens itself up to you in a way. And it reveals, it reveals stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and one thing I learned um, that's helped me with, uh, I don't have, um, stop this real quick, Rich. I want to, um, Yeah, do what you gotta do. Not yet. Can you you can hear that in the background? A little bit. It's not too distracting, at least from my hearing. All right, let me uh, let um, let them let them finish real quick. It's kind of distracting on my part. Sure.
Okay, let's 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 go back to uh, let's record back from that last question. Start the last question over, or um, what you were saying just previously. So then I can um, then I'll go from there. Was that the uh, open open heart? Okay, yeah, we were talking about the open mind and open heart, and then uh, you had you had uh, you had contributed right there. Then I, I want to go from right there. That's where I kind of got distracted with what was going on in my background. Yeah, why don't I kind of repeat what I said, go from there. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you and I can both both attest to like, you, you mentioned how you felt free earlier. And that feeling doesn't occur unless you do have like an open heart and open mind, clear mind, where you're not trying to preserve um, an ego or your sense of self in the world. What you want to do is you just have this love and joy and you want to you're opening yourself to the world to see what is what is the world? What does it have to offer? And that opening you just find is is so freeing and so uh, full of joy and the world reveals itself kind of to you. Whereas if you're closed off to that, you're you're limiting your opportunities and the possibilities of something even greater and and it's hard to it's hard to build community and to collaborate with other people if if they're closed and unwilling to kind of open themselves to to the world and those ideas right absolutely um i used to, um I had a conversation with a young fellow in here the other day. And uh, when you're incarcerated and you kind of feel like it's the same where your back is against the wall mm -hmm. and you feel like everything is against you. And you have a lot of individuals in here who have no support from whether it be family members or friends. And at times, this can be in a dark place for a lot of dudes and you start to resent those who might not be in your corner where, you know, just in society, um, we look at those who we expect to be by our side or expect to be in our lives. You know, sometimes, you know, the universe have other plans for us and I'm realizing that um, a lot of us, don't really have or never made agreements with others, you know, of the roles that we want to play in each other's lives. And from right there, once I realized that, okay, 
with a lot of associates, we never verbally made an agreement, you know, what was the role that I'm going to, I'm going to play in their lives or what's the role that they're going to play in my life. So once I realized that I started to open my mind up to just new possibilities and I started to really realize just every new relationship that I was forming throughout my journey, you know, I lost a lot of great friends or potential great friends, even family members I was most close with and started to establish new meaningful relationships with people I thought I would never run into. And I just started to embrace, you know, what the future was throwing at me and took all those mistakes I made in the past as lessons. Mm. And now in the future, or I would say, you know, what's going on in my life now, every mistake that I make moving forward or every loss that I'm going to suffer moving forward, you know, I look at it as a lesson, you know, for something later. Yeah. And from right there, you know, I I remind myself and I stay open-minded to that, but I also stay grateful just for what I have. You know, the fact that I still have good health, um, I still have support from family members and friends. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going without in life. Yeah. You know, that'd be like the best thing I could, the best way I can put it. And from right there, you know, just reminding myself and realizing that this is where, you know, I'm starting to find peace within myself. Now, you know, you've been kind of on this journey now and you, you have this perspective now. What was it like for you when you, you were like first in prison and you didn't have this kind of mindset? Were there like some really low moments where that got really dark for you? And then, you know, if so, like, how did you, uh, how did you, how did you start? You know, like, I think that's the biggest uh, challenge that people have is like, they want this mindset that you have and and that you've cultivated, but how, what are the first steps? And um, if you could share like a a dark moment and how you kind of (laughs) took steps to proceed forward, you're, you're laughing. I know you got, you got something, I'm sure. How could you not? Right. I mean, you know, (laughs) no, I do. It's prison. It's prison. So everybody, no matter who you are in prison, everybody goes through a dark time um, because you're entering into an atmosphere that's abnormal, you know, that the average person in society will view as, you know, uh, uh, unusual. So coming into this experience, my main focus was just to get out as soon as possible and continue, you know, the life I was living that got me basically led up to prison. so so you were just focused on getting back getting out so you could just get back to life basically just you know go back to school and hang out with friends and you know now it's like uh you know continue on working just not i i you know i assume you know just not commit another robbery you know but um i didn't fully have a full plan to what i really wanted to do and i still didn't understand what was it that i truly wanted to do with myself 
but I would say I was, um, this was 2018 and I was 22 at the time. So, um, in prison, you know, you, you kind of, I still had the mindset of, you know, dudes getting stabbed every day, possibly, you know, getting raped. So I had, um, I had what people in here call a, a, a prison shank, which is a knife. Mm-hmm. And I got caught with this knife and I got sent to a place called the hole. Now the hole is where it's like, there's no watching TV. There's no listening to music like that. You're strictly just writing and reading. And I would do, you know, puzzles here and there. But um, at this time, you know, I was really depressed. And that was when I asked myself, okay, if I was to come home right now, how would my family want me to be conducting myself? And um. I kind of had a cellmate at the time who helped me realize, you know, just my possibilities of what I can be doing with my uh, with myself in here that can, you know, better me for when I re-enter society. So I've done some, like I said, I've done some self-reflection and I asked myself, what is it that I truly like? And then uh, I just started journaling. And from right there, one thing led to another. I started to just write poetry and then from poetry it led more to philosophical thinking and then you know an idea just popped up in my head hey why not write a book you know you've been writing for 30 days so far you have over 30 pages of just you know writing down your thoughts or writing down poems why not write a book you know if it's good you know, who knows? It could be good or bad, but just give it a try. It's something you've never done before. Try it out. What's the worst that can happen? And then, you know, from right there, I just say, you know, why not try something new? Start to break old habits that I have and what can be some new habits that can lead me into a, on a productive path? And then from right there, once I figured all that out, I just stay focused on that. Yeah, it's, it seems like, too, like, you're confronted in that moment, too, of, like, if I'm making this change, I'm not waiting years to do it. I have to do it right now. There's nothing else to do. I have to do it now, right? So then you're prepared when you do leave, right? So... It's a um an older dude, an older dude told me here, what you're doing here is what you're gonna do out there. A lot of dudes, um, as I said before, they uh a lot of things they look forward to is getting out of prison and doing the same thing that landed them in prison. You know, basically we would say, you know, all you wanted was just some fresh, free air. Yeah. And then you wanted to come right back. Um me personally, I look at the disappointment that I've caused just with families and friends being in here. And, you know, when you really do some self-reflecting and you really do some thinking, you know, you realize the, the hurt you cause on certain people because of the roles you played in their lives. And then you start to ask yourself, okay, well, you know, uh, 
the responsibilities you can take on when you come back to society. And that's what make you an asset to your community or to your family members. You know, if you don't think about those stuff in here and you don't start to apply practical steps in here, then I know for sure um, an individual won't do it when they get out there. They'll just go back, you know, um, it's a saying that uh, if you have no vision for the, of the future, then you'll resort back to what you know. Mm-hmm. So if you don't plan for your future now, then they can let you out the next day and you'll just resort back to what you know. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, uh, getting close to time here on wrapping up, but, uh, I want to talk a few more questions. Who, who would you say is the most interesting person you've met in prison so far? What, what were, what were they like? Honestly, I met a, I met a lot of interesting people who contribute to my growth, so it would be hard and unfair to single one person out um, because at least more than five people have played important roles in my life. Um, Some of them taught me things about wealth uh, or finances. Uh, Others uh, had me look into a deeper meaning of just religion or history. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a Sally who helped me looking, you know, just looking into a deeper perspective of a man and, you know, how a man has obligations and responsibilities and duties to, you know, his family and his communities. Um, another one, you know, helped me realize just the important role of working, you know, and being able to provide and protect, you know, your family. So, yeah, I, I can't really single out one interesting person, but I would say, you know, I've met over at least over five individuals who have been interesting and who have really played a substantial role in my life. Yeah, that's fair and great to hear that there's more than one, of course. Um, yeah. The last question I have for you for today What's something you're curious about recently? It's a, a question I love asking on the podcast. What are you curious about recently? I'm mostly curious about um, I'm mostly curious about my family's perspective when I come home. Really? Yeah, um, because they once knew me as this. Uh, this little boy who was quiet and at the same time goofy, but now they get to see uh, now they get to see a whole new side of a mature version of me and someone who's more focused on their vision. Mm-hmm. And um, also as well, you know, I'm more in charge of you know uh, my daily life. I'm not letting others or others' opinions dictate, you know, how I should be conducting myself. You know, at this point, I know right from wrong. I mean, I've been new right from wrong, but now I look at it like, you know, I'm more of a man 
than I was before I landed in prison. Yeah. You know, they say, yeah, they say 18, you're illegally grown in society. But, you know, truthfully, I still felt as I was a teenager, you know, um, 19 coming in. You know, I still, like I said, I had the juvenile mindset. So I'm just curious now just to see, you know, uh, my family's perspective of me now. Yeah. That's it's going to be interesting, too. Yeah. Oh. It really is. Well, thanks for coming on today. Uh, this has been this has been great. Always love talking with you. Um, yeah, we got to have more of these coming up. Uh, thank you, thank you for having me. So, what what does the rest of your day look like? What are you going to do? For the most part, um, I'm going to read uh, read more of this I Ching for beginners. Also, getting to a little bit of the Phil Jackson sacred hoops. Yeah, you know, I probably do. You know, still practice on my drawing. Uh, try to draw a little bit. Yeah, and then go from there. Um, Read yeah, some of the the I Ching for us before we head out. Oh, you were reading it earlier. We had some tef- technical difficulties that came up that uh, didn't come up when we practiced the technology aspect of this before uh, here we go okay so we were discussing uh resolving conflict yes uh, because we had a conflict with technology yeah so uh the i chain wants us to know that the fact that the sky and sea are permanently divided reminds the empowered person that conflict is inevitable the key words the i chain wants us to uh be aware of are conflict disagreement Clashes, combat, disputes, opposition, differences, struggles, incompatibility, and compromise. So this is what the I Ching encourages to do. Standing up for what you feel is right, developing common ground, pursuing the trust of others, objectively evaluating your own position, understanding your own motives, keeping a cool head, calling for aberration, defining how the situation and then there's cautions against fighting for a cause you don't believe in, moving forward when you know you're in the wrong, believing that might makes right, favoring aggression over agreement, treating the ideas and values of others with disrespect. So now uh, there's thought questions as well that uh, the I Ching wants us to think about. And uh, one of them is how certain Am I that my position is justified? How can I know for sure? What common grounds can I establish with those who oppose me? What am I willing to give up in a compromise? And then what neutral party can help settle this conflict? So there's there's guide to changing lines of his will. And on the first line, it says here, consider what you may be doing to perpetrate this conflict. While everything will be fine in the long run, prepare in the short term for a minor skirmish. On the second line, it says, when you're outgunned and outmaneuvered, engaging in battle invites disaster. Rather than be drawn into an unequal conflict, consider the value of a strategic retreat. So what kind of what kind of book is this? 
This is more of an ancient oracle. Um, okay. Say, um, you know, Chinese philosophy. Yeah. Um, so this is the this is a yeah mind body and spirit Chinese philosophy. Nice. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, and uh, thanks for sharing your experience on the podcast today. Oh yes, sir. Anytime. I appreciate you taking the time, and for the viewers taking their time to listen. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Take some time today to think about your own life, your behaviors, and actions you may need to take in order to live the life that you dream of.